Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for what I believe is technically episode eight, but now, uh, Randy's that right? Also, I'm Mike. This is Randy. Hi, Randy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah, I, I'm bad at counting, but I think, sure, eight sounds good. We'll go with that. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is, wait, are these guys friends? And, and Randy and I have both had a lot going on in our lives, so we skipped a second episode in, what, three weeks, and <laughs> we're just terrible people. Uh, any momentum we have had lost. Show's going to be terrible. That's the kind of energy I want to bring to the to the revamp today. The revamp. What a tease! So we, you, you know, is we I, we. I made a point earlier when I was working on our topic for today, and I thought about all those revamps, reboots in the modern era, and how they always have to have the lead character be just this sad, miserable sack of shit who never grew or they regressed. You know, like your modern Indiana Jones is. Or what they did to Han Solo. Really, anything they do with Harrison Ford, he has to be miserable in the modern age. Uh, but that's us. We took two weeks off, and now we're going to revamp, regress, and just be miserable, miserable people. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> I can hear the viewers just tuning in left and right, or, or is it them running away? I can't tell. I'll be honest. I hated that intro so much that I'm like, do we do it over? Like, I just talked. I just started talking. I have no... I have no, like, I didn't write any of that. I didn't find any. I just started talking. And, and this is right now. This is real. This is dead set real. Randy, I will put, like, a disclaimer or a joke in. Do we do a new intro? And we pretend this never happened except for a reference in the new intro we record. Let's see what happens the second time. I'm always interested to see what develops. Okay. So, so at some point, if you're like, no, now you have to keep both intros. You can make that call. This is I'm putting this ball into your court. Oh because boy! This could air. This could air, which is why I'm still in announcer podcast voice. This could That's... still air, <laughs> but but we're we're gonna do we're gonna do a new intro. That's either the second intro or the only <laughs> intro that has a sly reference to the first intro. I'm gonna take a pause, and if it's a long pause, it'll be added to do a short pause. All I'll say is if you're lying to me in this whole podcast, this whole episode is just doing intros, I'm not going to be very thrilled. (laughs) Randy, look down. I haven't even hit record. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. right, right. Quiet on the set. Quiet on the set. (laughs) With a critic reference. Uh, I just want to let you know when I cleared my throat, that was a critic reference. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wait, Are These Guys Friends? This is, I think, episode eight. Uh, I am Mike. This is Randy. Randy, say hello, because I never know how to cue you, so I point at you in a camera that you can't always see. Randy, say hello. And uh, you generally just say, hey, everybody, which I will do once again. It is great to be back, and uh, thanks for hanging with us. If you, uh, I know it's been a couple of weeks uh, that we've been in and out, but we're we're glad to be back. we got got fun, some fun stuff to tackle today. I'm really excited for today. That said, uh, I'm not in love with this intro. Um, this is the first time we've done this intro. Definitely the first time. There, there has not been a multiple take already. And listen, you've already hit two ums, and I have to edit this later. And I just, um, I'm not happy with that. If we could do a third intro, I mean a first intro. Hey, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I did that just to fuck with you. I don't know if we can use this. The first one we could have used. 
this one I'm doing to fuck with you. And I'm just looking I, at your face and I regret nothing. I am completely hesitant to react to any of this because I'm like, am I in the real world? Am I in Mike's, uh, I don't know, sarcastic and diabolical experiment? I think it's much more the latter than the former, but on we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode eight of Waiter, the Close Friend. Uh, I'm Mike. Uh, this is Randy. Say hello, Randy. Fuck this guy. Fuck. <laughs> what? What? You would say such a thing to the man who has the power to edit your voice? Oh, that's a good point. So, You've already done that many yeah. a time. So. No, I did it one time. I just did it multiple times in the same episode. Ah, uh, fair. You, say, you know, it's how do you qualify it? How do you quantify it? Okay, let's focus up. Let's focus up, because you've been really taking us off track this episode. I've been dialed in. I'm the derailleur. You're you sitting here. We've done this intro five times. <laughs> so, oh god. Remember we said we were bad at counting. Oh wait, I don't know if that intro it actually is. made it in or not. Why? Why am I doing this today? Also, when we have a jam-packed episode, both of us are on time restrictions where we have to be done. And I'm sitting here going, let's try the intro again. Let's do a fake fourth intro. It'll be great. Let's do and it. Again Come and on. again. Let's get into the actual episode. So we're going to not hit a lot of our normal stuff this week. We are not going to do what we watch. Partly because both of us were so busy with real life stuff. That's why we skipped a week. Partly because we have so much we want to dive into on our main topic. I am also not going to be doing Cool Guy Randy's Cool Guy Music Corner with him. Uh, twofold. One, I never listened to the album for the last time, which I already <laughs> forgot which one it was. So we have nothing to discuss. Uh, two, we have so much to talk about. And three, I need to save this for a future episode because Randy told me he listened to the Joe Pesci album. And I don't want a single thought from you on that right now. I want that next week. I want yeah. you to have time to talk about Joe Pesci's album that you listened to the entire thing. On. Oh, there and are thoughts. Still... Believe me, there are Oof, thoughts. Uh, we don't have time for them. We don't have time Indeed. for them because this week we are we are stunt casting yet again. We are we are building a roster yet again. We've built a roster of sketch comedians for our ultimate sketch dream team. We have cast a Degeneration X movie as it takes place in the nineties. Today's criteria is is a bit more off the rails than any of that. We have looked at every NBC sitcom from nineteen seventy until today, which if you know anything about the history of NBC, it means that really we've looked at every NBC sitcom from 1982 until 2019. And we have cast and created our own new sitcoms of all-star actors and all-star characters. Randy, thoughts on this before we dive into the actual breakdown of the ships? Just confirming. So we did we did settle on 1970. I just wanted to make sure. There's I have I have alternates just in case, but there there was one that I no. may have done from before that. But it's a I, I can cut we, that one out. So I I you had originally you want to do 90 and above. Okay. And I was <laughs> I said, oh my god, because then you're cutting out everything from the classic 80s era. Yeah. And and that's insane to me. And I thought, well, that's let's bump it up to the 70s. And then it's like, well, maybe I went to 60s. No. I went with the 70s and above because there was a character that I wound up not casting, but was on my shortlist and almost made it. That was in a sitcom that ended in 1970. So I needed it to be 1970s on to include the character that I wound up not including. <laughs> so I had all these arbitrary rules in my head that I didn't do. Understood. Like I said, I had more than the amount that we're drafting. So uh, I will be in good shape. 
we decided this was an ensemble show. We went with the friends rule of six lead characters. There are six lead characters. They all get equal billing. They all have equal footing. As you said in a text, by the last season, they're all making a million dollars an episode. <laughs> There's solidarity here. We then cast four recurring characters that can pop up regularly throughout the season. They're not in every episode, but they are regularly there. You think, if you're thinking friends again, you think you're Janice's, you think you're Gunther's, you know, people that are just always around. We then came up with uh, backups because we are going to do this in draft format. I'll pick one, Randy will pick one, I'll pick one, Randy will pick one. Once we have our cast, we'll talk about the plot of our show. Actually, should we probably establish the plot first so we know why we're casting who we're casting? Then we'll cast our leads, we'll cast our recurrings, we'll talk about our alternates. Who was on the bench? Who didn't quite make the cut? Why did they not make the cut? Why were they an alternate? And then we will pitch one, after all of that, we'll pitch one mega guest star for a sweet, sweet episode. Yes, 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 yes. That for the kids who don't remember Sweet Sweet, it was February, May, and uh, the early fall when it's when all your ratings and revenue would tie together. The bigger the ratings were, the more money you got for the next quarter. You needed them big Sweet Sweet's ratings draws. And we'll, we'll pitch who our guest star is. Why are they the guest star? What's going to do here? But while I won an intense rock, paper, scissors contest <laughs> before the show, uh, best two out of three, even though I won first crack at casting and I get first pick on casting, Randy, I'm going to be a gentleman and I'm going to say, please give us your pitch first for your plot. What is your sitcom about? Okay, so my sitcom takes place in a, like it's kind of a nondescript Oceanside town at a upscale resort. And uh, the majority of our characters are staying at this resort. A couple of them are employees of the resort when COVID hits. And so they are locked down and have to stay quarantined within this setting. And that leads to their interactions and back and forth. And we see kind of the back and forth on how they're making do at the times when they can't leave, essentially, the premises. Okay, I like that. Because part of... I didn't focus so much on this on mine, but I did give some thought of as to why are all of these characters from all these desperate different shows together? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, something we hadn't talked about decided on is are we picking these characters from their prime in the height of what their regular show run would be? Are we picking them in the real day? Saying the actor, pretending the actors are alive because many of them will have passed on for mm -hmm. this live cast. But assuming that, you know, pretending they're actually live, are we saying, no, it's 2024 and this is what they're doing now? What's, what's, is there a thought? I, of I was saying within either their prime or within, as long as it's within their character development of the time they were on the show that we picked them from. So, and okay. I will, if, if one of my picks come to fruition, that'll make a lot more sense. But, okay, understood. I will say that I had that struggle with, two of my characters one of my mains mm. the only way i could fit him in was the show had ended already was it was okay. post the last episode and if we get to that point and you're like I, I you need to pick someone else i don't think that can work i will accept that based on the criteria we've laid, we've laid out okay understood sounds good my pilot takes place in a small town that 
many of the characters have found themselves in. They've gravitated there for work, or they've naturally led the course of their lives there. These things just kind of happened. I texted you last night, however, as I was plotting this out, and I realized that I kind of just accidentally made Night Court. Like, <laughs> I love Night Court, right? But it's it's Night Court. The old one, right? Yes. The old, the old the new one's fine. The new one's fine. Is it? Okay. But, I haven't yeah, watched the new one. I'll be, I'll be you, you, fair. I have watched the new one. My issue with it is I don't mind the old multi-camera sitcom-style model. It can be very funny. But as a Night Court fan, there's only two surviving cast members left out of all right. of Night Court. Now, thankfully, one of those is John uh, Larroquette, who is amazing and still amazing. And he's a lead mm -hmm. for good reason. And they just had Roz on as a guest star in the second season. Oh, nice. And they had some nice, really, they had some really nice scenes together. But it also was just, as an old time fan of the show, it was really sad to watch because yeah. the real reunion you got was on 30 Rock, which was uh, the one with the cast with Night Court that was also the Friends joke, where they had, <laughs> you know, Mac and Harry and Christine, and I've, I'm conflating some of their actors and their characters. That's yep. your Night Court reunion. Anyway, that's a complete aside. I really like Night Court, which is probably how this happened. <laughs> uh, but all my characters have kind of found themselves in a Simpsons-esque, Springfield-esque small town. There's going to okay. be a lot of recurring jokes, a, a lot of rewarding loyal viewers who, if you watch this episode in season three, there could be a or in episode three, there could be a joke about it in episode eight. It might not be a prevalent joke, but it'll be there for the, you know, the eagle-eyed viewers, the people who are really watching diligently. But they agree to work together in a night court style scenario. They drink and hang out and enjoy each other's company and get to know each other in this small town. The first episode establishes half the cast is already being in this town and living there for different reasons. The other half of the cast find themselves there due to something plot-related. There is one character, as I said, that kind of feels a cliche. They've repressed a little reboot card. Uh, and in my mind, there's a mystery throughout the season that kind of happens in the background. They still do episode-to-episode -episode comedy bits, but there is something that is kind of playing in the background throughout what is probably a 13-episode season. And that helps okay. to keep these characters here and something that they're all working towards together while still just having 30-minute sitcom fun shenanigans. It's okay. in, that, in that regard. Now, are we ready to cast? Oh, let's. Being that this is a Night Court-style scenario, two of my lead characters are lawyers. My first casting pick is Joel McHale as Jeff Winger from Community. Mm. As he is in the final season, it aired from 2009 to 2015. The first five seasons on NBC... That last six season on Yahoo screen, remember that that existed? I do, yeah. And here's the thing. I like that season. I actually like that season. It gets a bad rap. I think that season's better than season four and a lot of season five. But we take him from how he is in the finale. He said goodbye to a lot of his friends. He's teaching there, but I think something brings him practice long and properly. Uh, something makes him here. I think he is a Jeff Winger who has improved but still needs growth. He still has that narcissistic state of character who you can base a lot of scenarios around within a group ensemble. And he will be, while they're all friends and they may all be working towards a goal, if anyone's going to fuck it up occasionally and occasionally play antagonist within this situation, 
it's going to be Jeff Winger. I like it. It's not I where think? I thought you were, you would go. I'll be honest with you. That's a that's a very it's a great. I loved community, and I oh. had actually a couple other <laughs> uh, representatives that didn't make my final cut, but were were in that from that show just because I, I it's I loved that show. It was so strange and and meta and all sorts of things that it was just actively trying to completely mess with the format of a traditional situation comedy which was great it, it, it's fascinating too because at its best it did all of that breaking down messing with the state while still making you care deeply about the characters and making yep. you want to see them grow and better and see how they're going to be it meshed the goofy and the real at its height Better than almost anything else. And at its lows, it, it we could not balance that balance. <laughs> sure. uh, but, sir, your first casting pick. I'm dying to hear it. Gotcha. So based, and this is interesting because we're already to a point where I'm playing off that, looking at my selections, my original. If I had the number one pick, I think I would have picked something else, but based off of what you've already cast, I'm going to switch that up a little bit. So this is, uh, this really? is fun, a fun exercise. I figured, you'd be, I figured you'd be dialed in. Because I'll be honest, my show is pretty dialed in. You could pick, unless you pick okay. someone I have, I'm going with what I got. Because gotcha. I, trust, I trust my creative process. I trust that in the ratings, this is how we can decide which show. <laughs> Listen, I know we're just casting this. But I think the real criteria here should be which show would beat each other in the ratings. It's 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 <laughs> we're on the same. Let's say we're on the same night. We're on Thursdays. We can say I'm at eight, you're at nine, or you're at nine and I'm at eight. Either way, <laughs> those were the two hits. Who's going to be the bigger hit? Anyway, this would actually be a, like a fascinating exercise to have like a cast doing two yeah. different shows in the same <laughs> night. Like we would never get the actors on board to do that, but that would be really really cool. Which show um, do the people like more? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, dying yep. to hear the pick. Cool. As and it just it, because I think it's a fun foil for for Jeff Winger, uh, but in a way that you still uh, like him. Uh, but his character development is such that he's hateable, lovable, sort of at the same time. I'm gonna pick Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties. Bro. Okay. <laughs> he was awesome. First off, awesome. Great. And I say that because he was in my leads for a solid hour while I was reworking things. Huh. He was in it again this morning before we stopped record before we started recording oh, wow. for about <laughs> ten minutes. Then he was almost he is he's on my bench right now. He is on my leads bench that if you had taken one of mine, I'd move him up. Gotcha. Because I that's well done. Why does he fit within <laughs> your show before I say why he could have fit in mine? Uh, because it, a lot of, I, I broke down characteristics of why these people, why my leads would be at this resort. Um, basically Alex is, would be rich enough. That's, that's the main, it's, it, it doesn't go much further than that. Um, I know he'd be sort of a workaholic. He'd probably be somebody that is constantly, <laughs> he probably would have started zoom or, uh, whatever it was before that. Okay. But, um, I could very much see him. He either would be forced by his work because he was there so much. <laughs> They're like, you have to get away. You have to take vacation. You have 158 days of vacation built up from the last four or five years. And so he's almost under protest, shoved away to this resort. And I could see that happening. And then him being there, money would be no object. He wouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, yes. Similar thought is that. So when I mentioned some of my cast is brought in from out of town, some were already there. He would have definitely been whatever the 
bigger background thing is going on, he would have come in from out of town for whatever company is something is going on to deal with that. He would yeah. have probably started out as an antagonist, become a good guy, because that was always kind of his thing anyway. He acts like he's a dick. He acts, he is, he's your corporate Reaganite, but he's yeah. your corporate Reaganite with the liberal parents whose conscience always won out in the end. You know, mm-hmm. his his instincts told him one thing, but his heart would eventually tell him another. And and he works well in that scenario. I could and, see him very easily trading quips with Jeff Winger. Like that seems, yes. it's like a natural, yes. natural back and forth. Yep. Yep. That's why. And I, I looked up where he wound up, what he was studying at the end of family ties was economics, you know, going to be working on, and he worked on wall street at the end of the mm-hmm. family, got a job working on wall street. I didn't consider this canon, but I was so close to considering it canon. You know, there's one Alex B. Keaton reference when Michael J. Fox left Spin City on ABC. At the end of Spin City, when Michael J. Fox leaves Spin City and he's typing a letter back to New York to tell him what he's doing as he starts this new life. I'm, you know, in Washington and I'm working to better this because he's working, he's working for the senator. He's doing this. And he goes, also, I just met this biggest blowhard. He's a lobbyist. And he's just making my life hell. His name is Alex P. Keat. Guy needs to get, he's like, you got a stick in the mud. And I was like, <laughs> so if you wanted to take that as canon, he went on to become a lobbyist, which I almost love as why he would fit in for mine. But we'll dial back and say he's probably still just a Wall Street person. Okay, so moving on. And this is probably my deepest cut of a pick. Okay. If you are aware of the show, I'm driving to where you are to hug you. If you are a fan oh of the show, if you're a fan of the show, after I hug you, your wife's going to be pissed because we're doing some stuff. But it's getting oh weird. Boy. Your wife's going to be like, get a little handsy there, Mike. I know we've never properly met except for like one time at a picnic, I think. My second pick is Nicholas Diocosto as Josh Siegel from the show Trial and Error that had two seasons, 2017 to 2018. I'm locking my door. I loved this show, man. Yes, yes, I fucking loved. We've never talked about this show. So I, just, I, I will, with the caveat, I didn't love the second season. The first season I adored. I, I like, I like the second season. I yeah. love the first season. the The thing is, though, is that I liked the second season enough to be heartbroken they didn't get a third season because yeah. it lent itself so well to refreshing every season. Oh, did the second season was cute, but not as good? Well, there'll be a new mystery for the third season. It would have been amazing. But I, I, when people talk about how Pawnee, Indiana is Parks and Rec, uh, in Parks and Rec, is like a Springfield brought to life as a sitcom. Sure, sure, it kind of is. But no, if you really want a live action Springfield from the Simpsons, it is East Peck, South Carolina, to get that, you need to go to the two seasons of Trial and Error. I, I adore this show, and the reason why Josh would work in this is Josh, also being a lawyer, fits my concept, but he is a good, kind-hearted man. He is earnest. He trusts. He tries. Jeff Winger will absolutely be taking advantage of him somehow <laughs> throughout the season, but they will develop a friendship and a working relationship somehow. They will be oh. friends. He will work in this city. And when I say that 
some of my cast were already there. In my mind, whatever city I have this take place in, and I don't think it's East Pac, but it's a fictional city probably that we can create, create things around. Josh is already in the city. Josh is already a lawyer in the city known by the town and doing good things. I really like it. In my initial giant... Uh... When I start, I just wrote down every character that I wanted, and then started to narrow down from the um, I'm blanking on her name. The the main the prosecuting attorney, um, Jamie Mays. Uh, yeah, she she made my original giants cut down group. Randall, what is your second casting choice? I think I'm gonna. It's not gonna be a D cut, but I'm gonna mix it up because I want somebody who's a little bit still. It's, Keeps with the saucy, the quippy, back and forth, can can trade barbs with everybody. But at the same time, uh, I don't mind a little bit of will they, won't they? And I think this character is going to help will they, won't they for all of them. Maybe not in the traditional romantic comedy sense, but um, I'm going to pick Karen Walker from Will and Grace. Interesting. She can trade a lot, and then there's one of the, they could just kind of throw away the, the component of it. We don't have to go down that road of, because it seems every sitcom tries to maneuver that into it. But uh, I, I think to have that opportunity yeah. to at least explore yeah. that part is is definitely interesting. And I always thought I, I she was always my favorite part of Will and Grace. And so that is my that's going to be my second pick. It's interesting when you talk about Will and Grace. We've talked about how I've never been a big, in our Musty mm -hmm. TV episode, we talked about how I was never a big Will and Grace fan. But yep. that was actually because of Will and Grace. Jack and Karen were always fun. But the problem is they weren't the leads. And also, you probably couldn't have led the show yeah. with them. They got their moments, but they couldn't sustain. But I thought Will <laughs> and Grace were both just terrible, selfish people. And I I know they all were, but they were but because they were real and grounded, while Karen and Jack were insane, it was less entertaining for me to watch them. Because I thought, well, you're selfish, terrible people, and you're boring. So <laughs> I, I never got into it. I do think that uh, Karen would try to fuck Alex Beatty real hard, like real hard, because he'd be money, he has money, he'd be doing well. In my mind, Stan, Stan was her husband, right? Stan's dead. She's she's going to fuck Alex She doesn't care anyway. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's fair. Fair enough. <laughs> Plus, it's, you know, in well, I guess in, it's different in your sense because it's small town. Maybe she moved there to get away from the big yeah. city. Or, or I guess in my sense, it's that, you know, pandemic started you know we we don't know how we're going to get out of this so yes caution into the wind and then um, she already threw caution into the wind to begin with so fair and it's funny because i am looking now at both my characters and your setting and your characters in my setting as you are and so far michael j fox is alex b keaton works in both jeff weiner probably works in both i don't see karen in your in mine and i don't see josh from trial and error in yours just because it's I'm like okay those don't those would never work in those Moving on, so we have for my my small town night court scenario. This is where I said to me the only way this character comes into play for my show is it's after the show is finished. So mm -hmm. my third pick, and if I need to pick someone new, I can. I can figure this out. But you know, let me explain. Let me explain, dear God, Mark. Whoa, whoa, you let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> My third pick is James Avery as Judge Philip Banks from The Fresh oh. Prince of Bel-Air. He has moved to this town because, let's assume Vivian has passed. I don't need a third Vivian to come along with him. We, have not, we are not <laughs> casting a third Vivian. 
<laughs> his kids are all busy. They're not bad, necessarily. His kids are all busy. His wife has passed. He is still an active judge. They had moved out east, you'll remember, in the finale to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, whenever he moved away. In my mind, this is still in the east, maybe somewhere south-ish. But he is okay. playing that role as the elder statesman. He already lives in the town. He has become... Actually, yes, he's already living there. He has become uh, a powerful, respected figure in this community. His voice carries weight. He is funny, but just like in Fresh Prince, he is not treated as a joke when it comes to his job, right? People mm -hmm. can make fun of him as a person, as people will in them board occasionally, but when it comes to him being a judge, he is a good, respected judge still. And he will keep these two fucking white boys in line as they try <laughs> to bicker and do this shit. And he is that authoritative voice that I feel like we need in this scenario. The, gotcha. the, the reason I also want him in the show, I have a deeper reason if you need to fight me on it. I would like to get to my next pick, which I won't give yet. I feel like I need him there for my next pick, who is not from the Fresh Prince, but they would just play off together so well. But before I get to that point, hit me with any arguments, concerns, thoughts. What do you got? I think it's interesting. It's uh, I, I, I like the it, diversity not only from the the race standpoint, but from the age standpoint. I think mm -hmm. we're to to have a little bit of a diversity in terms of who we're talking about. We're getting different perspectives. We're getting somebody who obviously very successful at their job, so and a man of larger stature. So just physically and from a mm -hmm. personal level. Yeah. Um, is somebody to be listened to. Like, you know, even though Jeff is a big guy, he's not going to push around Uncle Phil. <laughs> like, there it is. And so right. I, I, I like that. There's something that he almost has a little bit of fear, but respect, like just always what Uncle Phil kind of held over Will, you know, mm -hmm. like just things like that. I think that would translate very well because there is a lot of probably Will and Jeff Winger, yes. you know, that kind of overlap. There's a in terms lot of, of that. Yes. There's a lot of sarcastic schmoozing going on there that, yep. that, they would begrudgingly become, I'm not even saying they'd be friends, but they would develop a respect eventually, probably. And it would be funny mm -hmm. and it would be hard earned and it would be, it would be great in my mind. Okay. Uh, and now I realize I say that with the caveat of this is the only character that kind of, I had to make an adaptive change to after their series. Are we cool with that? Cause otherwise he'd be the same guy. I think I'm okay with it. Okay. It's, uh, I think it fits well in the, you know, it's, yeah. we're providing, it's, it, it's tricky sometimes when a lot of the things that are our favorite characters, uh, at least from mine, as I was looking through, they had a lot of similar characteristics. So, so it's tricky to put six of those same people in the same room and then it'd be interesting and fun. If you really wanted to, I don't remember where it said in the finale, you probably said New York or something or Philly itself. But if you really wanted to, if we just want to assume Vivian is there and just off screen or at home or yeah. doing something, this is where they moved to after the Fresh Prince. This was the town sure. out east. You know, it can still work if we finish. So, so yeah, far. I mean, he could be a re retired judge and all he does, you know, yeah. he's a notary or something like right. that. Right. He's doing something that's all he does. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so far, just to recap, my night court style small town scenario, I have Jeff Winger from Community, Josh Siegel from Trial and Error as my lawyers in the town and having some gravitas and change uh, in stature, Judge Philip Banks from The Fresh Prince 
Randy, who is your third casting choice for your resort sitcom during COVID scenario? <laughs> gotcha. Um, and I'm just clarifying, and I should have asked this a long time ago. We're we're doing each of our six, right? Yes. We're yes. just going back and forth. We're just okay, going gotcha. Back so we're not we're not we're not meshing our oh, ours yeah. together. This is, I am not about to make the final pick, right? No, 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 no. I'm about to make my third. Okay, you're gotcha. about to make your third. Uh, sorry if that was confusing. I do like the idea of bouncing off what we've done, of bouncing off how would your characters work in my show and how would my characters work in your gotcha. show. Okay. But otherwise, we are not combining these. These are separate full pitches. You're getting your full cast list. Gotcha. It was going to be a tightrope act if we were going to try to do no, that, no, so no, I was no, curious, no, no. too. Uh, <laughs> excited for the challenge, but curious to the how it was going to work out. So, Okay, so I'm going to bring in uh, another... I, I think someone that is smarter than he appears, um, but gets the kind of aw shucks allure, and I think would play really well off of Alex P. Keaton, who thinks he's smarter than this person, but is going to be one up from time to time. And I'm going to pick Woody Boyd from Cheers. We, I passed Woody Boyd from Cheers <laughs> on mine as a lead. We have our first, <laughs> I have to lose Woody. I have my first lose. Oh my God. Oh no. This we we had established we cannot cast the same people. Our shows do right. not have recurring actors or recurring characters between them. You got one from me. You fucking <laughs> got one from me. I'll be honest, the way it was going, I didn't think it was gonna happen. Uh, but well yeah, I have it's... a bet. But tell me why you know, well, I guess you just say why you would work with Alex. Yeah. So is he working at this resort? Is he a guest at this resort? Why is Woody at this resort? So there's a there's a local government conference that's going on, and he this is at the end of his Cheers run where he was uh, I think uh, either a representative or something locally in Italian Boston. Yep, city council. So it always bothered me because as good as his appearance on Frasier is, which then technically makes it canon because he did appear on Frasier, he is just working at Cheers again. They never reference the city council <laughs> thing, which to be fair, it did happen as a dare and a bet. So. I could see him not wanting to continue with it uh, in that regard. He is a small-town guy who probably does just want to sling drinks and hang out with people. I like the jumping-off point because I was debating how do I keep him in if he's a city councilman, and I decided to go with the canonical fears of, nah, he's just a bartender. Uh, oh, okay. Because in my pit, he would have been, he would have been the small-town bartender he lived there with his family. They moved, you know, just he, he eventually wanted to own his own bar. He runs the bar, gives advice, has a surprising wisdom, just like yours, is good yep. for a laugh. So, but guess what? Motherfucker is not going to be living in my small town on my show. <laughs> so, be living it up in my resort. Can I tell you, though? Here's my problem. I did cast a backup for him, necessarily. I had a bunch of lawyer backups. So I have to pull I have to pull from my recurring bench and bump him up to lead. He had been in my Ooh. lead. He had been in my lead for a long time and I eventually bumped okay. it down to recurring. I am pulling up as my next pick. I am pulling up Jason Lee as Earl Hickey from My mm. Name is Earl, where he was gonna be on my recurring list. He had been a lead, <laughs> I bumped him down. But I'm happy to make him a lead again. My new, but Earl 
works well as your small town informant dirtbag criminal, right? You can take him even as he was at, during the show when he's reformed. You can take him after the show. You would assume where he's you know living a good, happy life because he has still got that instinct within. Okay. Earl Hickey is a redneck dirtbag, even though he found a conscience and worked to improve himself. In this show, it would work really well to know someone in the town that knows the town, the seedy underbelly of this weird little town. Now, don't turn down the alley on third. If you turn down the alley on third, this thing's going to happen. And here's why. <laughs> Big Marge is going to come around and cut, you know, that type of thing. I need that character. Woody would have fit that, plus given them a place to hang out in the bar. Earl could maybe still run a bar for me. You don't know what Earl's doing with that lottery mm. money. He's a simple guy, right? Yep. He could just want to hang out. He wants to own a Crab Shack-style place, sling some drinks and talk about the town. Earl can still fill that role for me overall. Woody was simply my first choice. I'm really glad we actually had a mashup where I had to choose. I was I didn't think it was going to happen, to be honest. I thought we'd already gone so far off it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, interesting show from you so far. Alex from Family Ties, Karen from Will and Grace, and Woody from Cheers. There's a lot going on there. Definitely hoping for the ensemble part of it and not necessarily. I mean, I guess at the time when Friends came out, we didn't know all of them as much as we did, so maybe this will uh, pull the same kind of idea. So... I would technically know next, but I hit you with my next one because you stole Woody. Right. So I'm not going to hit you with the pick I would have hit you with next. Go ahead and give me your next because I revealed mine as soon as you Because you're on, yeah, you're in on, you've done four already, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm going back and forth here. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick with someone else who is in town for the government conference. And we're going to give a little bit more heart to my show and I'm going to pick Leslie yeah. Nope from Parks and Recreation oh I love that that fits in really well so I, I have a question that fits in so well with her being there and yeah. then so my question is because you'll break my heart otherwise but <laughs> being that they are locked down for COVID she's still married to Ben right she's with Ben she's happy at this point yes this is she's not gonna she's not gonna fuck Alex B. Keaton and break my heart here is she no, she is complete. This will be as as much a in between Mark Randonowitz and uh, and See, I was gonna and Adam Scott in, in between era where she was just kind of there as the she's the she's definitely the moral moral high ground mm. everything else and just it's she's there as sort of the foil to the people that aren't as much as like uh, her and Woody kind of overlap a little bit but Leslie's heart's yeah. a little bit different than Woody's I think. I see. I was going to give it to you as I thought it would work out really well if it's in that three-year gap that we never see yeah. when she's uh, that you you this happened in that three-year gap. Even though technically that would have been 2014 to 2017 in the show, but we'll we'll play sliding timeline. <laughs> That's a great choice, and that fits in really well. And you're right because Woody is good, but he's dim-witted enough. Leslie is smart. Leslie can be overzealous and seem dumb, but Leslie is fucking smart. Mm -hmm. And once you take away first season, Leslie, where they fixed the pro, you know, they fixed her after the first right. season. <laughs> first season, first six episodes, Leslie is stupid as fuck. But they knew that that was a mistake. That's really good. I really I also, like it. I also already it. know that Megan Mullally and 
Amy Poehler have good chemistry from actually Parks and Rec. So oh, I know that different characters, but not well, not much. <laughs> um, Megan Mullally's still playing kind of a psycho horny bitch, but the uh, it's <laughs> yeah, you don't get a lot of that Ron and Tammy energy out of this show just with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you're right. You needed heart. Looking at your current cast, you needed a real solid bit of heart. My next casting, which is who I was originally going to go with fourth before we had to sort out Woody, is who I was going to say why I really want Judd Phillip Banks there a little bit, because I feel like this character still needs an authoritative father figure on a show if they're going to be in the show. Uh, Stephanie Beatriz as Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I like that. God bless Andre Brower. Rest in peace recently. You you can never duplicate the Rosa Holt chemistry, but I do think you would get a vibe with Rosa and Philip Banks. Mm. That, that and what's so great about this is my original thought is I forgot about her in the last season. In the last season, he's not a cop; he's a private eye. He can go anywhere, work with anyone, be in any scenario to help anybody. So in my mind, he's in this town. She's one of the ones that travels in working on some kind of case, working as a private eye, helping clients, helping the court. He's like, this small town needs me. And Philip respects that, that she's trying to help regular people in this regard. Winger and her would butt heads, but I'm telling you right now, Winger and Rosa are going to fuck. Winger and Rosa are going to fuck. She's bisexual. I don't know if she winds up finding a girlfriend or a boyfriend later on, but at some point, Winger and Rosa Diaz are going to fuck and they're going to fuck hard and it's going to be funny for a while <laughs> oh, so that's going to happen because there's going to be something about her no nonsense like barely talking to him two word responses that's going to drive him insane and like <laughs> horny angry insane where he's like i want her and i don't understand why i shouldn't and i do and then she'll be like no and he'll be like yeah, and, and there's something about that mashup that just is like something's gonna happen. Nice, I like it. That works really, really um, well. That's 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 some that's <laughs> some good chemistry there. And I also think that I thought similar with she would have kind of she would have gotten along with Woody, but I'll be honest, she works better with Earl. She'll be mm. friendly with Earl. They will get up to some shady shit to make yep. or like her and Earl needing to investigate something for some thing some goofy thing in the town they're gonna cause some hell and they will get yelled at by philip <laughs> and one of them at some point will be prosecuted unwillingly like by josh guys i don't want to do this but you broke the law you <laughs> broke the law guys i have to do this i'm sorry like it's gonna be i just love the concept of it that's great moving on to your fifth pick who do you have so I'm going to continue with someone that can take a few people down a peg, but either way. So I think they can either take Leslie down a peg because Leslie is very smart and but always convinced she is right. And a lot of times the, the best stuff of her is the foils that kind of put her in her place and her reactions to them in that regard. Same thing with Alex B. Keaton. It's always great when he gets taken down a peg. And I think if it comes from a source that we're not 100% thinking that would take them down a peg. So I'm picking Dorothy Spornak from The Golden Girls. Fantastic. No, I like that. I also think her her interactions with Karen would be, it's basically 
you know, Dorothy and Blanche revisited. I mean, it just there, there's I agree. multiple things to mine from that. Assuming, assuming that this is obviously we're we're playing in worlds where every character is alive, every actor is alive, everyone's yes. alive. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. How That's... is Dorothy there without Sophia? Or is Sophia there? We just have to accept it. Did she? Did my mind there package deal? Or is this after Dorothy had moved with her husband, post Golden Girls at the end? Like canonically, she did leave Sophia when Golden Girls ended. Correct. So what? Actually, I'm I'm playing this. Uh, I guess it would be before Golden Palace. I guess technically. <laughs> um, yeah. But it. I, I'm throwing off of a very strange vibe that uh, Sophia absentmindedly buried a large sum of money at the <laughs> at the site of where Shady Pines You're laughing may have happened. I very silently had my eyes shot wide fucking open. <laughs> like like what? Um, oh <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I need a weird way because you know she was living in that house from the Golden Girls because they didn't she didn't have a lot of money. So yeah. this is Sophia remembered or or <laughs> rediscovered she's remember she's a shady sicilian woman so discovered all this money she had buried at the site of the shady pines fire that she may or may not have caused <laughs> and had this change of heart because she remembered it and gave various amounts of money to rose blanche and dorothy and told I dorothy you... <laughs> i'm sorry no, i, I concocted this yeah <laughs> when you didn't need to there's literally already a spinoff where Dorothy isn't with them and they all stay together. That exists already. And you're like, it's true. I like this better. So <laughs> to be fair, that I think everyone would. That show only lasted a season. Without Indeed. So and the, the Sophia wanted to see Dorothy be happy. It's her daughter. Right. So and she yeah. gives her this money and say, go do something. Go have have fun with something. This is pre I guess pre canon of her marrying Leslie Nielsen. But it the. Okay. And this is what she decides to do. She finds this. It's where I'm mine also taking place on the East Coast, so it's not far from Miami. Go to this other place, and, and that's how she ends up there. I love her as a character. I do laugh and maybe mock how you got her there because <laughs> like, there's a lot going on. But as a character, and also, like you said, adding some age and gravitas and a different perspective helps your cast also. So I, I like her there, and she will definitely be taking down. Like, I look at your cast, I look at my cast. There are people who, while they'll all be friends and they'll all get along and they will all help each other, there will be butting of heads. And Alex P. Keaton is almost your bad guy. He's not a bad guy, but Wait. he's going to butt the most heads with the most people, Dorothy and him. So. I believe, are we on my last lead pick? We are. So... This one, knowing that you watch Trial and Error, makes me happy because <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I did pick John Lithgow, but not from Trial and Error. So even though he was a lead with Josh Siegel in Trial and Error, he is Dick Solomon, third rock from the sun. Here's That's the great. catch. He is a, the town crazy. He often <laughs> talks about being an alien. He talks about judging humanity. The catch in this show is it is just played like he's crazy, played for laughs, but there'll be a lot of things that happen casually, just ever so casually and crazy, where people do think, could he? Was he? Could he? No, no. And it'll be a running gap. It'll be a runner throughout the show <laughs> that maybe 
it's one of those off screen. It is never going to be stated. It is never going to be obvious. If you bring in guest appearances from the other third rock members, not 30 rock member kids, we're talking third rock from the sun mm -hmm. where John Lithgow played the head of a team of aliens on earth who I don't know the legacy of the show, if it's all remembered or popular or not, to be honest, in this modern age. He played a team, he played head of a team of aliens on Earth who were judging humanity, taking notes on humanity, and eventually left after, you know, helping to defend humanity in the finale that, no, don't kill them, don't blow them up. But in this show, he's totally that character. He is awkward, he doesn't know humanity, he is learning, he is misinterpreting, but it is played as he's just the town crazy. You never see him outright be an alien until maybe the finale of the entire show if we decide to do it or if ratings sag and we really need that boost and we're jumping the show then it could make <laughs> but but to me it's a big run it's, i need in a small town like this in a in a cheers style ensemble you need things like vera was never seen but you always heard jokes about it you you need something that happens that people can put their own spin on or say do we believe this or not we know he's probably an alien because we're casting this show but to them he's just the town crazy but he's the same fucking character 100 <laughs> percent. i like it um he, he in my mind he would wind up in front of the court a lot like a lot of small town court things would happen he would be he would get like one focus episode where you learn more about him but he would just wind up a lot as just Mr. Solomon was nude again in the town park that three episodes later. Mr. Solomon was found hanging from a flagpole. Wearing, An exasperated you know, Josh just reading. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Winger always wants to just throw the book at it every single time. Nice. Can we just get rid of this fucking guy? <laughs> so. Did you ever watch the David E. Kelly drama picket fences that was on cbs i love picket fences yes so yes, it's, it it, this is very much as a douglas wombaugh for the defense <laughs> type yes of, type yes of, you know. oh my god yes <laughs> yes 100 percent. so your final lead for your resort show sir okay i have fairly reserved i have quippy i have people that are willing to engage one another with barbs i don't have a left field person that will draw people into his own insanity and that will come in and just appear and you will be very confused by but he will leave everyone else confused and it'll be perfect um i'm going tracy jordan from 30 rock and uh, <laughs> i love it just because i want to see how he would interact with these people because i would want to see how we interact with anybody candidly but i yes. think the I, and I think That's such a good choice. Leslie could take on Leslie could take on sort of the Liz role of trying to reel him in just for the sake of she's the rational one of all of them. Maybe Woody to an extent. Karen would be crazier because of him. Alex would go insane because he doesn't follow anything. <laughs> and yet he's way more successful than Alex, which would be a lot of fun of dynamic to, yeah. to in, interpret. So I that that is my my wild card and my sixth pick for my I sixth. love it. Because it does add that zany fucking, I love all your characters, right? But they are grounded. He's not. He's out yeah. of there. The yeah. best part, too, to me, the first thing I thought was, 
your entire show, they're stuck in their set, right? Because of quarantine, because of lockdown. Yep. Technically, while mine is in one place, they could leave, right? They could do a road trip. Sure. The great part about Tracy Jordan is if you're stuck in one location, he's so rich, you can justify any weird thing happening in that town, any scenario, any random shit that shows up. Why is there this insane statue that is now here? Oh, I bought that. I had that shipped in this morning. <laughs> uh, uh, anything you want to justify, you can do through Tracy Jordan. He breaks your reality yes, while it. keeping your reality. Get a jail-free card. Yes. It's great. <laughs> so I have a bench that was just for my leads, and I have a bench that's just for my recurring that I was pulling from if something happened. Before we continue to okay. our recurring, I don't know how you have organized. Do you want to hit who your backups were for your leads? Now, or do you want to cover backups after we do everything? We can do it now. I didn't have that many. I only have two on my two left on my bench. Okay, so. just for your leads. Okay, correct. So yeah. hit me with your first backup. Who would you have picked if you had to pick a new lead? Bill McNeil from News Radio. I wanted to work in a news radio character. I couldn't figure out how in my show. I tried so hard, and I couldn't get my head around how I could have gotten anyone there. The closest was Jimmy James. I almost got Jimmy James in. He wasn't even listed here, but I took him on and off list a couple of times because I thought, did he move here just to get away from everything? And now he's my crazy rich person. He would have been my Tracy Morgan. <laughs> I decided not to do it. If for some reason you had vetoed Judge Philip Banks, who I really do feel like is an emotional heart to the show, and I'm so glad you did, I would have simply replaced him with Judge Harry Stone from actual Night Court. And... It wouldn't yeah. have been the same show. I would have made it work, but I'm glad that I did that. Who, who's your other? Niles Crane from Frasier. I really like, uh, it's just, I'm a big fan of just understated and that can kind of, it's, it, I'm a, my, my sitcom is very quippy, very, very bantery, but, um, but I, that's what I like. So that's, I guess that's why I cast it that way. So I thought that he is, and I like the transplant part of it. You know, he's away from Seattle. He's on the other coast. And so just a little bit, and still the, I like anything where someone thinks they're more highfalutin than everybody else and then just gets destroyed, <laughs> it's, which often happened to Niles. So. I enjoy that, too. And what's funny, too, is you could pick two versions of Niles, you, uh, depending on what you want. You have the Niles from the first half of Fraser, where he's a total prude, and then you have the second half where he's a prude, but he's grown emotionally. So he's a prude, mm -hmm. <laughs> but can also accept that he's a prude. It's like, I know. My other... I really... I really don't have good backup picks. I would have replaced Rosa with Amy Santiago, but I didn't want to do mm -hmm. that because how do you explain it without Jake as a small town? You can't, and I would never right. break him up. And then as much as I just said I don't really like Will and Grace, if I needed another lawyer, I would have put Will Truman in there because yep. he would have worked as another lawyer character, and he's humble enough and different enough where he could have fit in any scenario. I would have thought of him in some but I'm glad I didn't have so we're going to move on to our recurring characters. So these are characters that will not be in every episode. I say, the way I look at it is that say we had a classic 26-episode sitcom season. You did it in the 90s, 2000s. These characters would probably show up in 10 of those episodes, right? If we right. have your more modern 13-episode sitcom series, they probably show up in half of, you know, four, five, six episodes. They are loved. They are always highlights, but they could not be in every episode. They would overcome. I do 
want to know, I originally had moved Earl. After having him in my leads, I moved him down here and put Woody in lead. I bumped up Earl Hickey to be in my lead cast after you took Woody Boyd, you bastard. Which meant I had to move up someone from my bench in my recurring to my recurring. And I will point out who that person is when we get there, who I moved up from my bench. Okay. But go ahead, you. I went first with leads. I will give you first choice with recurrings. Who is your first cast, recurring cast member? And also, to be fair, I have a small town where people can come and go. How are you going to justify not having them in every episode? Uh, for the most part, they are uh, workers at the resort. Um, so okay. you wouldn't necessarily see them. I, I'm saying that this is a large enough resort that you wouldn't necessarily see them all the time. They go off to their quarters, which we don't always visit. However, so, so you brought up Jimmy James. Is he off the table since he was on your bench? No, no, no. Okay. Then he's gonna be he's gonna be my first recurring character. He owns the resort. I love it. And just uh, because of because of problems at home or something, his kids were there and he didn't want to deal with them, so he stayed at the resort. Happened to be that night they got locked in. He's stuck there. Jimmy coming in and out, I think he would have amazing chemistry with everybody. He would be with Tracy. It would be like a white whale walking into a casino where he would do everything to take as much money from Tracy as possible. <laughs> and he would do anything he wants to be like, Tracy, you want that? $40,000, Tracy. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, that that dynamic would be there. Yep. This, this, I know I keep coming back to, I don't have will they, won't they relationship dynamics a lot in mind. Like maybe Rose and Winger, but I get what you're saying where you kind of can have it with yours. But here's what I say. This won't be a will they won't thing. I'm putting it out there for yours. You don't have to do it. Dorothy and Jimmy James are going to fuck. <laughs> Dorothy and Jimmy James have sex one night and it is going to be so fun. I, you know, you can see, I can see the lead up scene, not the actual scene, but the, the lead up scene in my head, the, just of the banter back and forth, the escalating, you know, they just say firing yeah. back and forth with each other and turns into that. Like I, I could see it. Yeah. So my first recurring character is Danny DeVito as Louis De Palma oh, from Taxi. Nice. And this, this is where we had, I had asked you some qualifications. Only its final season aired on NBC. Gotcha. It was on from 1978 to 1983. The 1982 to 83 season aired on NBC after Cheers. It was not a well-rated season because if you remember, Cheers was rated 74 out of 77 total shows that season. Right. It was almost canceled. Taxi did not do much better and was canceled. But what, yeah, it's fascinating to me, too, that Taxi was moved from ABC to NBC it was not considered an anchor show. It was put on after the new show hmm. at night, at night third, which is fascinating to me. Anyway, why Louis De Palma from Taxi? It comes to the same reason I wanted Earl in. I would have had Earl and Louis as recurring characters originally. Louis is still recurring because did you watch Taxi? You know Louis De Palma mm -hmm. from Taxi. Yep. Okay, so Taxi is on that cusp of being old enough now, where I feel like not a lot of people are going to remember it. I feel like I need a refresher. Louie ran the taxi depot. He is a sleazy, greedy character. He kind of has a heart, but honestly, not really. <laughs> Even in the episodes where it turns out he has a heart, he's still a dirtbag. Yeah. He wants to scam people. He will be scamming people. He will be doing salacious things. And he will, he, if this town has an underworld, Louie's probably at the front of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then and running some public facing business and just doing a bunch of shady. Him and Earl definitely in cahoots with one another. Oh <laughs> my god! And here's the thing: if we are going with a full on reformed Earl, Earl is maybe at heads knowing what Louis is doing, and they are constantly butting heads about that, depending on the scenario. They'll still get along, but they there's so many dynamics there. And I think a lot of behind-the-scenes action could be they never actually get Louis for anything, <laughs> and they're constantly trying. They're constantly trying. Or they get they get dick for it instead. That'd be great. <laughs> yes. Where, where, where we talk about how Winger and Philip Banks may not be friendly, but they're friendly and they have a respect. No one has respect for Louis. <laughs> Nobody does. He is a sleazy fucker. Nice. Fun fact also about the last season of Taxi and its ratings. While it did get canceled and it didn't make another year, I thought, was it still respected? Yes. Someone who was on my recurring bench, but I didn't cast, was Christopher Lloyd mm. as Reverend Jim from Taxi. He won the Best Supporting Actor Emmy that year, their final season. For Oh, wow. Okay. So, so it was still a well-regarded show. They just cut it out. Hmm. So anyway, your second recurring pick, sir. So mine goes, it goes straight off of having Jimmy James as the owner of the resort. His office manager slash assistant will be Ted Buckland from Scrubs. The, uh, <laughs> the lawyer who Father! is... Father! In... <laughs> Father, you just took my next fucking pick. You just <laughs> took my next fucking pick you fuck <laughs> i was i never thought you would have gone for ted he's a lawyer <laughs> fuck you oh fuck i was so dialed in with him fuck uh, well sorry i mean i'd love to hear your reason <laughs> i'd love to hear for, your for reason. no other reason than the dr kelso and ted relationship is just going to be jimmy james and ted relationship yes there, i don't have to do much yes. to this at all like it'll be very very easy and just the sad sack that oh and and there will be times where i mean tracy jordan's gonna have a similar relationship with ted as he did with jack brayer like it just it, there's it it works too well ah you took another one of my picks and this one this one hurts more than Woody. this one hurts more because i had so many funny things ted is a terrible lawyer he's <laughs> really bad a terrible lawyer and to your same degree he will be walked over by somebody in my mind jeff wanger would be steamrolling this man <laughs> occasionally he would have to be in court and philip banks would just be he'd be kind but disgusted like mr buckley get your shit together <laughs> He would have been so funny. Oh, man. Also, by the way, if you've never watched Cougar Town, highly underrated show, he reprises his role in Cougar Town in both episodes as Ted Rock. Oh, wow. Because it was created by the same people who made Scrubs. Bill Lawrence, right. So, yeah. Who also went on to do Ted Lasso. So quite the pedigree from Bill Lawrence. Mm -hmm. But Indeed. He, while he recurred actors from Scrubs in Cougar Town, Ted came back as a character. Ted was in Cougar Town several times. <laughs> so wow. also, rest in peace to Sam Lloyd, who passed away in 2020. He was so funny. Was oh, so I didn't good. know that. Okay. Yeah. I, I know a lot of these actors have passed, but he was he was so great. Man, and uh, man, that hurts. That hurts. I really just, I never thought, <laughs> I never thought that you would take him. I got to pick which of my bench I want to move up now. You know what? I got to okay. think on this one. My next pick is my first replacement. The one I moved Earl okay. to the main cast, and I moved this person in. 
I had him as a bench because I thought, do I want the separation of shows? I don't. I am bringing in a recurring character who is a character from one of my lead's shows, original shows. Okay. Because I thought, I'm bringing in Carlton. I'm bringing in Alfonso Ribeiro as Carlton. Okay. Because Philip Banks' family is so important to him that it hurt me. I kept getting stuck on it. It hurts me to why wouldn't he have a regular contact, a regular relationship with someone in his family? And if we're leaning into his wife has passed, if Vivian's not there, in my mind, Hillary is not moving to an East Coast small town. Hillary's still living large somewhere. He's probably doing her talk, though. Carlton, in my mind, is probably teaching somewhere nearby. He's a professor. He's doing something like, I forget what he was studying for in school, but in my mind, he had evolved enough to where, in my mind, Carlton's a teacher at this point. He's still I can see teaching that. something white-collar and preppy, but he's teaching something. I want Carlton to show up three, four, five. If I'm, Say I'm doing, like I said, a 13-episode season. We're going to see Carlton four times. But it will be enough to give Philip his family to show he's not some cold, withdrawn thing. Philip's family was important to him. And it was hurting me to not have that kind of connection for him in the show. Carlton shows up four times. And maybe one of those episodes is a prevalent lead in an episode type situation, like his first one. The rest is cameos, a scene here, a scene. Just something to to give Philip that connection. I think as a recurring, it works. I think if you had had it as another lead, I don't think it works at all. But yeah, as a, as a recurring, I think it works well. As a recurring, that's what I say. When, if I say I'm doing a 13-episode season, which is what I keep leaning into for this type of show, based off your trial and error style kind of template, four episodes. You can four episodes. So, but what's your third pick? Please stop taking my people. <laughs> so, uh, and I get to play off of that. That I mean, I'm. It, I have this bonus of like I can play that Tracy Jordan isn't going to remember anybody anyway, just because he's so out there. Uh, and I hope this isn't leading into uh, you getting pissed at me again. But I'm going to pick, and this is actually a a deeper cut on Thirty Rock. Then I'm going to pick Dennis Duffy from uh, from Thirty Rock, and. Uh, I didn't pick anyone from 30 Rock, though I was close a couple of times. Got you. And the reason for that is that I think, he, well, first of all, he wouldn't, I don't have to worry about Tracy even recognizing him. And maybe once he'll allude to him and just to be, it'll be a amusing moment of clarity when usually Tracy has none. I have him as a maintenance person or something around the resort that just sort of shows up, doesn't really do his work, uh, throws around lines drives the people that are thinking he's supposed to be doing something crazy. And Jimmy James also is going to, in my eyes, doesn't see that for what it is and views him as doing a great job. Everyone else is very confused. Um, I just always like Dennis Duffy's character in Sword Rock anyway. And so I'm going to keep him in my show. I have no notes on that one. I think that's a perfect recurring choice. I think that works perfectly off Jimmy. They, they would both recur probably together or you could yeah. do them separately but man they feel like a double act that when those two show up you're like oh fuck he's dead <laughs> so, that that would be good i'm in on that i love that yep. that's a good one man i'm still thinking of my final replacement for my fourth pick so i'm going to go with my third pick which is my last original choice that you haven't fucking stolen from <laughs> And I am going Parks and Rec. I'm going Ben Schwartz. It's John Ralphio Saperstein. Oh, the great. Worst. 
because I need, in my mind, I need to flesh out this town with more small town dirtbags, more small town <laughs> criminals, more reasons for the law to get involved, more reason for weird trial things to happen. If I've got Earl on the ground, that maybe he's reformed. You've got Louie being a total dirtbag. You have Don Ralphio, who's really a decently kind person, but also just your entitled, entitled idiot who has so many plans and so many schemes, so many get-rich-quick ideas. John Ralphio fits in my town as a recurring character. He is just a fucking moron. It's, uh, it's tremendous. I just, he'll come, I can see him just come blustering into the bar, like just, and where were you? And then he lists off eight things that he did, and none of that makes sense. And <laughs> But hit me with your final pick, right? Final, final yep. Pick? And I, I, so I pretty much, it's, not exactly the same as Dennis Duffy, but it's going to be similarly played where he will be sort of an incompetent worker around the resort. We'll always be asking for tips and everyone's going to stare at him because they like, you didn't do anything. Even in our, oh, well, soon, it's going to have to happen now in our crossover episode. We're doing a crossover episode? <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll stop leaving everybody in suspense. I'm picking Jazz from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, as oh my <laughs> god, oh my god, this is great! This is great. So, just because I can see him like going around and he just walks up and he's standing next to so, like, Dorothy is sitting, I don't know, I don't know, Lanai or whatever they do, and like with a drink, just sitting there, kind of contemplating. And all of a sudden, she turns and Jazz is standing there with his hand out. What about my tip? And for no reason, like, I have <laughs> this just being a running gag that Jazz <laughs> is gonna do, it's just like. <laughs> Wanting yeah. tips for nothing that he did. And so I, I was like, this fits perfect. I and... love it. Oh, that's great. I'm going to hit my final recurring because I went first lead. Then you went first recurring. I'll hit my final recurring. Then I'm going to hit my guest. Okay. And that, that will move. Does that work for you? Is that sure. fair? Absolutely. Because I want the big rock, paper, scissors. I get the first and the third first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Indeed. So this is tough for me because you took two of my original recurrings. The one that hurt the most was Ted Buckland because I really felt like I needed a third lawyer that was coming in and out of the picture. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to go with Dan Fielding from Night Court, John Larroquette, okay. uh, the actor Dan, as Dan Fielding. He was on my bench. He would be, I, and I don't know if I want him height of his powers, swarmy Dan in the 90s or current revival elder statesman but still with a hint of sarcasm from the current show you could go either way he would i think i would actually go with modern old uh dan fielding because he would have seen all of jeff winger's tricks all yeah. of them and he <laughs> did them and he lived them and he'd be able to call them out and being older and wiser he would be able to probably have a good working relationship with philip banks when he pops in and out and he would probably bring a good dynamic to the show. I wanted more ineptitude, Ted, but I think Dan Fielding as a guest recurring lawyer would work well in the show. I'm going to hit you with my list of who's left on my recurring character list, and if you think they work better as my final slot, I'll take it, okay? Okay. So my first recurring is Estelle Getty as Sophia Petrillo <laughs> from The Golden Girls. I said, you know... There would not be the Arthur. It would be post-Golden Palace. Because you may recall, after the Golden Palace, she went and did two years on Empty Nest, just alone, as Sophia, 
back in the retirement home and everyone else had moved away. I did not remember that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so she so so she could have gone and moved anywhere, to be fair. They canonically she left the Golden Palace, went back to Florida, the business didn't work out, and she was just living at the home again. It is what it is. Okay. My my next choice after that would have been Fred Sanford from Sanford and Son. <laughs> he would have been a local business owner in town. He would have been cranky but respectable. That's you know, he, he would have he would have maybe had a couple of shady dealings and liked some plans, but overall he would have been a longtime business owner in the town. And my final one, and this is why I'd originally asked, where are we cutting off? Because the final season aired in nineteen seventy. And I just thought this would be my Dick Solomon replacement where you don't say that outright this character is what this character is, but there's a lot of hints towards it. Instead of Dick as the alien, I would have had Genie from I Dream of Genie <laughs> uh, in the town, uh, Barbara Eden. And you, there's something going on there and you can't quite place what it is. Dick is much more able to make that happen because you could have yeah. someone maybe be an alien. You can't have someone maybe be a genie. Right. <laughs> yeah, you are, you uh, are. It, it would have been turned into the great gazoo from the Flintstones. It right. would have just ruined the whole concept. But I also think having her as this hot, magical character that maybe is or isn't magic with Winger made me laugh. But so <laughs> she was on my bench. Yeah. Is there, and also I briefly thought Andre Brower as Raymond Holt, yeah. why, as it, he would have been somehow there in his police commission. And also, it would have been nice for you to get Talking it through, Dan probably is my best choice. I think as so. A recurring lawyer. I really like Sanford, but like, it, I think he would overtake the scene. That's the only problem. Like, I, I think I think Dan could kind of stay within the bounds of the scene. Get get okay. get his licks in, but not. He could be part of the scene as opposed to taking it over. Okay. Before we hit the mega guest star, before we hit sweeps week. I want to recap our premise, our cast. I'm going to go first. I, at the top of my notes, and I didn't do it. Before everything else, I wrote, make joke about Bill Cosby immediately. And I didn't do it. And the fact of somebody you regrets. I wish I had just started out. Randy, my first pick. Legend of NBC sitcom, Bill Cosby. As <laughs> Dr. Cleef, I, I, I couldn't do it. Followed by I 20 seconds out. of silence. and uh... <laughs> My show is about a Simpson-esque small town with tons of crazy characters, recurring segments. It is like Night Court, and there's going to be a lot of lost scenarios for probably 13 episodes. These people drink and hang out in this small town together. Gross people. Some of them come in. Some of them already lived there. Uh, my cast is... Joel McHale is Jeff Winger from Community. He is your smarmy lawyer. You have Nicholas Diagosto, Josh Siegel from Trial and Error. He is your kind-hearted, good man lawyer. You have James Avery as Judge Philip Banks from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He is your authority figure. He is kind-hearted and brings an elder and diverse viewpoint to the show. You have Stephanie Beatriz as Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine who is a private eye, works with the town, helps to investigate a lot of these things. You have Jason Lee as Earl Hickey from My Name is Earl, as your small-town dirtbag, but who has a heart of gold, has helped to reform a lot of things, helped with this. Finally, you have John Lithgow as Dick Solomon, third rock from the sun, as a town-crazy, probably an alien, but we never say it. My recurring, Danny DeVito, Louis DePalma from Taxi. 
a lot of the bad things in this town happened because of him. Alfonso Ribeiro as Carlton Banks from The Fresh Prince because I, I can't do Philip without some kind of family. Ben Schwartz, Sean Ralphio Saperstein because he is just the worst. And then John Larroquette as Dan Fielding from Night Court because I needed another lawyer to come in and out to cause trouble. And he is an elder statesman who has been Jeff Winger, but now knows the other side of the law and is a good man. Randy, who do you got? Give me the full recap. Wow, so my characters, I suppose, are more playing off one another. You you have kind of just defined roles for them. I have more, I guess, characteristic roles as opposed to <laughs> what they're actually doing because they're all kind of stuck in one place. So we're taking place in a Oceanside resort where a variety of different people are staying at this resort uh, as COVID hits. And so they're all stuck in this one place where they all are locked down together, quarantined together at this one location. My characters are Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties, Woody Boyd from Cheers, Leslie Noe from Parks and Recreation, Dorothy Zbornak from Golden Girls, Karen Walker from Will and Grace, and Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock with my, uh, and they are all just people that are staying at the resort. There is no uh, specific, they, none of them have ties to the resort. Yeah. All my recurring characters do have ties to the resort, starting with uh, Jimmy James, Stephen Root, who is from uh, News Radio, who will be own, who owns the resort and just happens to be there uh, at that point uh, when the lockdown happens. His assistant slash I don't know, I guess it could be his attorney too, but I'll probably just stick as, as his bumbling assistant, is Ted Bucklin um, uh, from Scrubs. What is his name? Sorry, I'm blanking on that. Ted Bucklin, his real name? Yeah, I just wrote Sam down. Lloyd? Sam Lloyd, thank you. I just wrote down Ted Bucklin. And also there are two sort of hapless workers that seem to be completely out to lunch. Uh, Dennis Duffy, Dean Winters from 30 Rock, and uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, or Jazz from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That is my... Yeah. Fantastic. So I would like to dive into we the other criteria we had said is after we did all this, we are going to say that there's one big sweet sweet episode with one mega guest star that will draw in the rating. Say our show, our show, it could go two ways. It's a mega show, right? It's a mega star hit show, and anyone who's anyone wants to be on it, we're gonna be in that post Super Bowl slot. Let's draw get huge ratings, right? Let's have a guest star. Or it could be the other way where this show is dying, but it is beloved. <laughs> Let's get someone with a name who will draw eyeballs to it, right? You could go either way. There's a reason to bring in a guest star. My guest star is Will Smith, playing Will mm -hmm. from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, because it would be one of Carlson's guest appearances. It would 100% working with Phil, but he would also be the type of guy with whatever he wound up, you know he could play off Jeff Winger, he could work in this town. He could cause trouble. He could help people out. Something insane could happen around him. And then in the real world scenario, it's fucking Will Smith doing TV, doing an episode, reprising a character. It's going to bring in the eyeballs. So to me, Will Smith is my mega guest star. My backup option. My backup bench. I only had one bench option. <laughs> Alf. It's fucking Alf. <laughs> and then this is where we reveal that, yes, Dick Solomon is an alien, but we only do it to the audience officially. The town doesn't find out. The Alf is in the episode. 
So, because so, we're saying these sweeps, that, uh, they can exist kind of in a vacuum, right? If we do it that way, because that's kind of what I did. I and and I'm I'm toying with the. Mega I would like to know. That, no, 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 no. It is canon. It is canon to your show because those episodes were always canon. Okay. But it's a big ratings draw that's going to happen. Okay. It is canon. That shit. So, happens. gotcha. Okay. So I'm not going to go insane with it and uh, you can call it my bullshit and i'll come up with another uh guest star if you want for this but Please. this because uh, i would say to call him mega mega guest star might be overemphasizing the mega my guest star for sweeps week is going to be christopher lloyd because i'm going to pair him back up with michael j fox i love that no that's great that's which i mean spin city already did that episode they literally <laughs> called the episode back to the future four but that's fine you know whatever that was on abc we haven't done it on nbc yet so <laughs> <laughs> you're right no you're right what character is he playing is he playing a famous character from a show is he is he his character from taxi <laughs> is he what who is he in this show so what are you going <laughs> to testify his character I was going to have him actually as a, this is going to be kind of weird. Please. He is essentially an inspector that is there to check on the, whether the cleanliness or the readiness of the resort. So he's essentially from okay. <laughs> like Fauci's team <laughs> and double checking. I love that. And is, Honestly. And then they have, and then they have a, we have a scene where, him and Alex are together, but it's uh, there. Obviously, we just toyed a bunch of stupid things. I love that. Con that's a great concept. I got something you just said triggered a question in my mind. This takes place during COVID, where everyone's quarantined. Is that how you get around there not being masked? Because you can't have everyone wearing a mask every episode. The no, and that's the thing. Because, because they're, they're quarantined in one place, that. they don't have to. It's similar to, you know, in your in okay. your own house, your family or whatever. Yep. You know, you didn't do it at home. So because they're with, restricted within one area, it's okay. The question is, do you put, like, Christopher Lloyd in some kind of detox? Is he wearing a hazmat suit? Is there some way that you involve him coming from the outside without ruining it for everybody else? Yeah, I guess I'd have to think about, and that's kind of a fun way to reveal it too. Is I could put him all masked up and everything, uh, and and but how do we get him to get the mask off? I guess that's something I'd have to to dive into. To oh, figure you know out what why. it could be. You know what it could be is we had when did we first have tests that were readily available, but pre-vaccine we did have tests during lockdown, right? Or did we not have any lockdown tests? Yeah, yeah, it's they been did. years, and yeah. I already forget. And especially if he's working for the government, you know, he he would be high-ranking government official. This is this could be a gag in your episode. He gets there, and he is locked in a room, not able to interact in person with anyone for five to seven days, separate from everyone, talking to them through a window, there you go. trying to do that. Then he finally is able to test. There is a sequence, maybe it's the Act 1 break, or it's Act 2 entirety, where he's locked in a room. Then the third... Or final act, he's finally out in the world, or some to that. You know, you can do it sooner, but that you have to isolate in separate room. Perfect, I so, love it. That would be fun. What would our crossover? You're saying we have to have crossovers <laughs> simply because jazz is involved. Oh. And in my mind now, 
my crossover episode somehow has to involve my mega guest star with you so you can get Jazz, Will, <laughs> Carlton, and Phil all in the same show. But then that takes over the rest of my show and just becomes a fresh prince uh, for you. All I want is him throwing him out the door, out the door. But that's a, that's that's really all I want is Uncle Phil throwing Jazz out the door. But yeah, and I also, how do you? I'm trying to think how you can. Yeah, I guess you couldn't cross over into up. mine, but I could cross over into yours. God, that's confusing because you're locked down. Yeah. The somehow I got it. It all happens over Zoom, not oh. the entire show. Yeah. Like. My segments happen in my area. Your segments happen in your area. And then Tracy's like, I found an internet lawyer who can help me out, <laughs> and I'm going to cover this right now. And that's somehow yeah. all the characters get involved over Zoom. They have to testify before have... the judge, who is Uncle Phil. There we go, over Phil, Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> and then and you can do one of those things where different parts of the prep and trial, the prep, can happen in my episode somehow where your characters are zooming into my show and they're like, I'm dealing with this guy or this is happening. No, it should be the other way. Prep happens on yours. Something happens yep. where Tracy needs to step it up. Yep. And people are zooming in and out in characters. And then the trial can happen on mine where char your characters are zooming into mine. There we go. And that's that's how it works. I like this. This is a one-night event where, where... So if uh, we'll say... That your show's on at eight and leads off the night. My show's on at nine. Is there an eight? Is this one of those must-see TV episodes where somehow the middle eight thirty show that will probably be canceled next year has to tie into our two shows somehow? It'll be real <laughs> tangential. It'll be like a scene where you and I are a full crossover to bridge it. They hit one scene where they get like one character oh. from yours and one character from mine. Ratings gold. So. Yes. Oh, I love all of this. This is good. NBC, call us. <laughs> also, Magicians, Time, Space, and Magic, revive our dead actors who <laughs> we've cast <laughs> in these shows. Thank you so much. Oh, man, that's really good. I, I'm spent, and we still have to talk about a Simpsons episode. <laughs> I need a minute. I need a breath. Hi, 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 hi. I'm Neither one of us cast anyone from Frasier. Technically, Woody was on an episode of Frasier. That's our, no. that can be our bridge. Niles was on my bench. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, neither of us cast yep. anyone from Frasier. But, but we are, we are going to involve Kelsey Grammer. We're going to invoke the name <laughs> of Kelsey Grammer, and lo, may he appear before us. Because we're we're going whole hog. We have just spent over an hour, well over an hour, talking about classic NBC sitcom. Frasier was brought up in passing. Cheers was brought up in passing. But Kelsey Grammer, all-time Simpsons guest star mm -hmm. as Sideshow Bob. And if you're looking at the, the pantheon of episodes of Sideshow Bob episodes, you, I think for a lot of people, are going to find one episode that is top of the list, the tippity top of the A-list, the creme de la creme. And I think that is going to be Cape Fear, which is the second episode of the fifth season of The Simpsons. It is Sideshow Bob's third appearance and the basis, it's, it's as much as there's only an A-plot in this, there's no B-plot as there ever has been on The Simpsons and maybe ever will be. 
Sideshow Bob has been paroled. This is his third appearance. His first appearance, he tried to put Krusty away and frame him. He got, he got caught. His second appearance, he tried to murder Aunt Selma for the insurance money. Got caught by Bart again. Now, Sideshow Bob has been paroled. He is out for Bart's blood. And it is very blatant. He is just trying to murder Bart. So the Simpsons go into the witness relocation program. They become the Thompsons. Let's follow this journey. Randy, let's talk about Cape Fear. We had said before, this is a dangerous line for us because this could turn into us just reenacting the episode. We could do this as a radio play for 30 minutes and just you and I enact this entire episode because this line, I'm talking scene by scene, line by line, there is no dead weight here. It is banger after banger in every aspect. It is as perfect the Simpsons episode as you can craft. And I have so many reasons as to how that worked, why that could work, why it shouldn't have worked and it did. But I want your thoughts. Really, talk Cape Fear. Go. It's so interesting that it is that considered just the one of the tighter, one of the more jam-packed, joke-dense, just hammer after hammer after hammer. You just get nailed with jokes left, right. And just from the beginning, the up late with McBain part, just it starts with that, which is funny. And just from a from a parody standpoint, from making fun of itself a standpoint, and then it just keeps going and going and going. And and the interesting thing about it is that the the writers didn't think that they weren't sure this was going to be a good episode. They you know they had to pad it out with the extended you know the really long couch gag, um, the the rake, the rake gag, gag yeah, which is one of the over. most iconic things in The Simpsons. That but they just did it over and over and over. And there's a couple other things too. I thought that they said. There was something to the reason they did as much of the HMS for the four as they did when he was singing was to illustrate the time that it took to float down the river. But at the same time, that helped to fill fill things in. And just there was a lot of I believe they say that the commentary. Do they? OK, I didn't watch the I'll, be, I'll admit I didn't watch the commentary of it. Um, I've watched it before, but it's been a while. Uh, but it. Well, I, I did not watch it first for this one either. I just I remember yeah. them saying that, that it was. Both a twofold of what would it logically be to get them there, and also how much of this can we do to pan out an episode that is nothing but jokes and no plot. Yeah. There is a plot <laughs> that they're hanging the episode on, but this is a joke fact. Uh, this is all this is. And they all, I don't know if one doesn't hit. Like, I was trying to think about that. Like, is there a joke that isn't, like, hilarious? And it's just amazing how and that's that percentage. Just it. And that's why... This is almost one of the reasons, this is how I would love our recaps and dissections to be. It's not us saying, here's the jokes we like. It's saying, here's why this episode works, because all these jokes work. Some of them shouldn't work. <laughs> Some of them should not work. And that's what we can talk about. What are the jokes that work that should fucking work? And why do they work? Like, talk to me. Why does the rake gag work for the uninitiated? And I'll hit you with a little trivia and a little setting. Mm -hmm. Sideshow Bob follows the Simpsons to a town and he gets out of the car and he hits his face on a rake and he and he smacks his face to the right. And this is coming after just a terrible car ride where he's been hit with cactuses and things. And if you've seen the movie Cape Fear, there's a famous scene where he rides under the, you know, the undercarriage of the car to stalk them. 
Sideshow Bob does the same thing, to follow them to this town. Only where it was a smooth ride for Robert De Niro and Kate Fear, it is a hell ride for Sideshow Bob played with jokes. Finally, he gets out of the car, and there is a minute-long, I think, sequence of just being hit in the face with rake after rake that he steps on. It's one time, and he crumbles. And it hits it again, and he crumbles. And it is just insanity. And it shouldn't work, and it does. The trivia fact that I'm sure you'll hit, famous trivia fact, that Kelsey Grammer in the record was like, this is the dumbest joke, and I will not do this. I will not record this of me being hit time after time. He's like, I'll do it one time. So they just repeated the same audio recorded grumble 20 fucking oh. times, which makes it even funnier. There is no cadence things. There's no different thing. Why, Randy? Why does this gag work? Because it fucking should, but it does. So there, I think there are two things. In, in addition to, there is a tried and true comedy theory, right? That it, you do something, it's funny initially, it stops being funny, and then for some reason it circles around again and becomes funny again if you kind of keep doing it. That doesn't always work, but in this yes, instance, yes. that totally is what happens. The incredulity of the, them yeah. just continuing to do it. I think in this instance, there's two things. So one, there's one more after you see him step on all of them, and then there's one more where they cut inside the houseboat, and you hear it outside. You don't see it, but you hear it. And so, like, to do that, that's, that's a nice trick to to continue it, just because it, it kind of bridges the gap, but it's still funny because they're still doing it, but it's it, it's bleeding into the next scene. And then, of course, the one where he hops on the houseboat to cut cut it loose, and then he steps on a rake, and it's just it's a wonderful callback. It's a couple minutes later. But uh, I think that they're continuing just to use that vehicle because it's, I think every, everybody loves a callback to something that's funny. And then you're reminded you're okay. That was already funny to begin with. It's, it's, it works so well. Yes. And I, I think the episode as a whole, it fascinates me because in many of our episodes, we've talked about later seasons and the breaking of reality of the Simpsons, the breaking of the rules of the Simpsons. This episode breaks every rule, breaks every reality. Yep. It is season five. There is no, reality in this episode any ridiculous thing they want to think of they do but here's why i think it works now and why it doesn't work later because the difference between now and later when they do it is the characters never change within the scenario in the future they will break the reality and they will also break the characters marge would act that way lisa would act that way homer would act that way is acting stupider than he ever has to get there. In this scenario, all the characters are still themselves. Mm -hmm. They stay true to the characters. And and to be fair, maybe it's because it's season five, it still felt fresh, and because of that nostalgia, it still works for us. I could see that, that they got away with it this time because it was new and different, and they wouldn't get away with it in the future. And because it was new, different, and perfect, and funny, we'll give them that pass now. But taken as a whole, set the nostalgia aside, I think it works because here's insanity, but we still love these people, and we have to change them a bit. Yeah. I think also, this is no, there's no scheme to such a Bob this time. He's just going to kill Bart. And so, like, Bart. <laughs> yes. And so, I mean, I yes. think that puts people into a situation where... You know, obviously the stress under that and trying to endure that, it's it's not unreasonable to think that people would act outside of what they would be doing. 
because they're put in this situation where they have to leave their entire environment, what, what they're used to. And so I think that contributes and, and helps the believability, even though it's as surreal as it gets. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. It, it's an interesting thing too, right? You know, you, so you show this episode to the, uh, in season five, to the people making season one, and they would go while they're making season one and they go, what? the ever-loving what is going on and what's so great about that is that this was the final episode written for season four but was pushed to be one of the holdover episodes for season five and as such this is actually the last episode written by the original simpsons writing team as a whole who had been writing the show since season mm -hmm. one so to track their evolution <laughs> from where they were to where they got to. Now, don't get me wrong. They didn't do a whole switchover. It was just that Al Jean and Mike Reese left to make the critic. They brought Conan in for season five. It was the first time there had been change in the writer's room right. after season four. But this episode is the perfect distillation of what they had grown the show to from season one to that point and it's just magnificent it's everyone at their peak everyone at the height of their power saying let's make the show we want to make and it fucking hits it's, they they did everything as a takeoff from cape fear that was right everything worked that they grabbed and kind of almost shot for shot remade certain things that they did and just put their own spin on it but were able to take thing i mean we talked about this with the the 18th amendment one how is it? it was similar kind of where it was the untouchables but it wasn't this is almost like a lot like cape fear <laughs> and take a lot of things from it but do it do it very very well we're just this stuff that's woven in it's just this is i i can watch it again i mean when we're done like it's i no. i can't stop watching no, yes, this episode yes. it's 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 just it's, always awesome well always always uh interesting uh nope we're kind of going back and forth all over the place with trivia and different things. The credited writer for this episode is John Beatty, uh, who has been credited with a lot of classics. But this one, based on commentary and a lot of things, this is definitely one of those episodes where they are the first to say, he got the credit. This was a writer's room mm. episode. Everyone had their hands in this one. Everyone was working. Everyone was painting. Everyone was making this work. Although, funny thing, as we talked about, this is one of the most highly regarded Simpsons episodes of all time, credit to, J to John Vitti. He says in the commentary, he goes, it's fascinating to me that I got the credit for this one because he also got the credit for season four, so it's come to this. It's a Simpsons clip show, which is regarded as like the worst <laughs> rated episode of all time, in the especially in the classic years. So he's like, it shows how odd it can be be the one who gets the credit for the episodes, right? Based on who's done what. Because I can't take credit for Cape Fear. And I sure as shit am not taking credit for the <laughs> Club Show episode. But when you look at my resume, I am credited with both of yeah. those. And it's fascinating to think about. <laughs> We've talked about how it's tough because we could just recite the full episode. Randy, I'm going to give you three jokes. Okay. Pick three jokes from this episode. Oof. That you'll that you could talk about at length. You get three okay. because you could do them all, and I know you could do them. <laughs> all. You get three. Okay. 
Well, I, one, so I don't forget it, and it's because it's... I, I wrote down in my notes possibly my favorite bit in the history of The Simpsons is the witness protection thing, hello, Mr. Thompson. And I think he's talking to you. I I still almost cry laughing every time I watch it. It, it, it is... I don't, I don't, it is the perfect encapsulation of Homer and just the, 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 the delivery is amazing. The, the witness protection program agent who is a witness relocation program, sorry, agent who is just like, before he, so when I say yeah. hello, Mr. Thompson and step on your foot, oh my God, like that joke a million times. I just, I, it's, it's never not funny. Oh my God. It's so good. It is also my top bit from that episode oh. with that is an overlap for for you and me i'd love to hear your next two because we're sharing one of each okay for a top bit. oh i wonder if we are um because i'm i'm i did notes and stuff like that so i'm probably i'm probably sure i'm forgetting something so it, it it'll be good that we're both going back and forth so when sideshow bob cuts the boat loose and they're drifting down the river or wherever they are he goes in and goes hello bart your family can't help you now and uh, cut to <laughs> the family tied up and laying down and <laughs> Homer snoring loudly and Lisa going, oh, no, dad's been drugged, to which Marge annoyedly says, no, he hasn't. And I, that, that one is always one that gets me. I, I love that joke. Just I well, again, there's no bad jokes in this one, but that one did not crack my okay. top three. I do love that joke, though. That's good. So I'm going to dial back to one that I feel like is going to be in your top three. They go, see, I'm, I'm conflating my jokes. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I can edit this down. I know it's at the trial where he says cheerfully with Drew. Yeah, Bart. But Bart's is it after you mean they the, go, the he The goes, little boy that sent me to this. This is the same yeah. bit, yes. He goes, dank, urine, so tell hole. And then he goes, yeah, don't you, we believe where they, they take a jab at network notes. He goes, uh, we object to you saying the term urine, so tell hole, the pee so tech hole. That is not the joke that I love. That one is whatever. It's fine. That's a meta network insert joke. It's his response. And I couldn't remember what he was responding to when he says this. When the lawyer says something and they respond and they object, he goes, oh, cheerfully withdraw. And the way he says that, I have been saying, oh, cheerfully withdraw to anything anyone counteracts me on since when did this episode air? This episode aired in 1993. I was 10. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've been saying, ooh, cheerfully withdraw to anything anyone calls me on at any point. It, it wasn't that one, but I do, so I'll do one kind of bonus one uh, that when Bart is. Oh, you have, sorry, I'm, I'm letting us give three. Oh, okay, gotcha. So you have one. Got it. This will have, be my final one, done, yes. Well, uh, yes. The, when. They are on the boat and drifting down the river, and Bart is trying to run away from Sideshow Bob, and he runs to one side, and he sees crocodiles. He runs to the other side, he sees electric eels. He runs back and sees crocodiles again and goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've done that a whole bunch of times where, like, something obvious has happened, and I'll just go, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just on the cusp okay. of making it, because I go, oh, yeah, quite a bit. And that's just saying, oh, yeah, right? No, it's always the way Bart says it. It's always the way Bart's saying it. There are so many people in this world that have heard me say things that are, to me, Simpsons references that are just normal fucking conversation based on things like that. The other joke that I will say is also the trial because I think the trial sequence 
or I say trial, the parole hearing sequence mm-hmm. in a perfect episode is a perfect act. Everything about it is amazing. Everything about it is perfect to me. And I took high school German, and every smart-ass high school German kid who loved The Simpsons walked into that class saying they knew German. Because I'm not, that's not a tattoo on my chest that says, die, bark, die. I would never hurt that little stamp. That's German for the bark, the cut to the crowd. Oh, no one who speaks German could ever be an evil man. Oh, that's it. It's so good. Kills me. That's my third one. Nice. One other note that I have mentioned in the episode that we did about Homer versus the 18th Amendment, where they cut to the gag about the cops and there's randomly an extra cop. I am now introducing a segment called Springfield Cop Watch. (laughs) How many cops are in this town based on the joke they want to tell? (laughs) So today in Springfield Cop Watch, normally in a regular episode of The Simpsons, it's Chief Wiggum, it's Eddie, and it's Luke. End of story. In any normal episode of The Simpsons. Today on Springfield Cop Watch, there's at least a dozen cops. Whoa. At least a dozen cops all gambling in the back room <laughs> because they cut to the point where they're talking about the law and there's the episode where it's like, yeah, but it's also illegal to put squirrels down your pants for the purposes of gambling. <laughs> and then it cuts to all the cops in the back room gambling. Eddie and Lou are the two main cops. Eddie's got Cops, or Scott got cops. Eddie's got squirrel down his pants, and they're all laughing while there's about 10 cops throwing money in a pot watching Eddie dance around with squirrels in his pants. <laughs> and I thought, where the fuck did all those weirdly drawn, backward looking cops come from? They're all in the background. For this episode, today at Springfield Cop Watch, there's at least 12 to 13 wow. cops. And then only three when they hold up Sideshow Bob later on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's only ever three cops where they need or they go to their three cops. It's the 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 mandate moving forward. And watch this now for episodes moving forward. <laughs> Springfield Cop Watch. How many cops do they need to dictate for the joke they want to tell? Because <laughs> otherwise, those cops will not be there. Yeah. Other thing, uh, other little notes. Mandate from the network that this is still when they had to do this. I'm not sure when this stopped, because it did stop eventually, but there was a point, network note, that they had to do. Anytime they brought back Sideshow Bob, they had to recap every time he had appeared today mm. so that anyone tuning in understood who this person was. So that's partly in the parole hearing why you have Krusty, why you have Soma, because it was a network note. You can do this episode, but you have to explain to the viewers why do we care about it. Huh. Interesting. So what other little notes? Do you have any other notes or trivia you'd like to hit? I have one I'd like to do deep about the reception to this episode as we've been praising its comment and uh, praising its love. Uh, I have kind of a thing I'd like to hit on that, but I'd love to know if you have any other trivia. Uh, three things is what I've got. Uh, there are actually, so everyone I would think thinks of the HMS Pinafore uh, that he sings and he talks about uh, the entire Gilbert and Sullivan or whatever. And it's, and then they, they actually have 
I forget, it's the FBI light opera sings Gilbert and Sullivan earlier. So there are actually two Gilbert and Sullivan pieces in this entire episode. I guess they do mention that. But the, the Mikado is Three Little Maids from School Are We is actually from the Mikado, which is a Gilbert and Sullivan piece, and then HMS Pinafore also. So multiple, I don't know where that came from, if they just thought, oh, that makes... I, I mean, it made sense for Bob just because he would sing something cultured, but I don't know why they added in <laughs> Three Little Maids, but sure, hey, whatever. Uh, did. The score, which is awesome, just obvious, and became Sideshow Bob's theme from there on out, did get um, Alf Clausen an uh, Emmy nomination. He didn't win, so I didn't I didn't go far enough to see who actually won for it, but he did get nominated for it, very deservedly so, because that's it's a great theme. He was nominated at the 1993 45th Emmy Awards for Outstanding Individual Achievement Music Composition for this episode, Cape Fear. He lost to Joel McNeely, and the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh. Yeah, which I never reviewed into that show. That really actually kind of disappoints me that it wasn't something more noteworthy. Yeah. It is what it is. On we go. Uh, my my last note, uh, and maybe you have this here, and I never uh, saw this in, I didn't. I guess I never watched the deleted scenes if they were on the DVD. Um, but apparently there was a deleted scene where Homer wakes up in the middle of the night, and I have this written down, so <laughs> wakes up in the middle of the night and goes to the kitchen where he's served a sandwich by Sideshow Bob, who is pretending to be Consuela the maid. <laughs> for, reason, for reasons unknown, Chief Wiggum is also sitting at the table. Homer goes back to bed before he realizes they don't have a maid. I, I would enjoy seeing that if I haven't seen it yet. Anyway. So I would like to read from Wikipedia. But they, in the reception category, we've talked about how this is like one of the most well-regarded episodes of all time. I'd like us to show our homework on that. I'm going to read off the accolades that this episode has gotten throughout the mm-hmm. year. First off, we always do our IMDb ranking. This IMDb ranking out of 10 has a massive 9.2 rating. Yeah, wow. And you got to think about, like, so often, the people who vote online are not going there to vote because they love something. Most people who vote are voting because they hate something and they want to voice that. They're not taking the time to be, I love it. That's how good this episode is. This episode crossed through an internet barrier to be <laughs> like, oh no, everybody loves this. That's where that's hit. USA Today published a top 10 of, written by the webmaster of the Simpsons Archive, where this was ranked 9 out of 10. Vanity 4 called this Vanity Four. <laughs> the reason I say that is because Vanity Fair called this show's the fourth best episode ever in 2007. IGN called this the best episode of the fifth season. The Daily Telegraph, uh, is that a UK thing? Is that who I think it is? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it is. Daily, oh, I don't want to reference them. Daily Telegraph's in a British daily conservative newspaper. That said, they categorized it. I'd heard of it. That's why I read it as a top 10 all-time Simpsons episode. The, this one makes me laugh, because I feel like this guy had to have come into Wikipedia and put it in himself. Did, did you know that Carl Akerstrom of the Swedish newspaper, Baras Finting, called it his all-time favorite oh. episode of the show? Did you know that? No, yeah, Carl and I are old buddies, yeah. Hey, Kazaria calls oh. this his favorite episode of all time. IGN gave this a perfect 10 out of 10 score. AV Club called this number one of the top 10 all-time Side Joe Bob episodes. Empire Magazine called this the best. I'd also called it the 33rd best 
film reference episode the show ever did out of all of the which sounds niche but the show's been on for over 30 years and they've done a lot of them so that's pretty good uh and this is why i also got here this killed me another one where i feel like these guys had to put this the norwegian newspaper netavisen listed inside show bob's dive art die tattoo from the episode as the fifth best tattoo and film reference tattoo reference in film history film and wow history. that's so specific. what a category <laughs> I also feel like I need to find that list from Nechevice from the Norwegian newspaper, and we're going to read that list before we go. I want you to know that. <laughs> uh, I found that I found that list. That's so fucking weird. Finally, Time Magazine ranks this episode ninth in its list of ten best Simpsons episodes, as picked by their handpicked panel of Simpsons experts. So Time Magazine did that in 2019. The point of all of this is there is no one across multiple spectrums, across multiple media, who's like, I don't care for that one. This episode is beloved. No. This episode is funny. And if anything, if I've ever said this in any other review, please go watch this episode. Are you a Simpsons person? Go watch it again. Are you not a Simpsons person? I don't care. I think you'll find this episode funny. Go watch it, please. That's So there you that's... go perfectly said it's just it's it's just so good now we're going to dial in to this article from what fucking year from 2007 that i had to have google translate not locked into your norwegian <laughs> i'm not locked into my norwegian but this article from 2007 that is no longer up and running this website. It is at the bookmark is referencing the Internet Archive Wayback Machine, which is a great record. Mm. But here are, as ranked by a Swedish, or no, Norwegian website, Netavice, their top 10 TV and film tattoos. Number one, Barbed Wire starring Pamela Anderson. <laughs> Guys might be staring at it as it as it's on her barely covered breasts. So that's what they wrote. Huh. The top headline, by the way, is men's ba best tattoo movies, men's dream, subheadline, many men find Pamela Anderson sexy. That's, that's, that's the subheadline. Number two, Escape from New York. Number three is Cape Fear. Uh, not, oh my God. It's not the fucking Simpsons episode. <laughs> it's Robert De Niro. <laughs> it is Cape Fear. It is Cape Fear. Whoever added this Wikipedia note with their reference <laughs> bookmark. Oh, no, it is there. It's number five. Oh. The movie version of Robert De Niro is three. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> By the way, it's the only TV show on the list of ten. It's a list of the top 10 film and TV tattoos from this Norwegian website. The only one that's TV is number five, The Simpsons Die Bar. Wow. I'm going to quickly hit the others because I've now lost. <laughs> Cape 3. Cape 3? Cape Fear, the movie version with De Niro. The remake is number three. Number four is Darth Maul's tattoos from The Phantom Menace. Number six is 
the movie Reign of Fire with Matthew McConaughey. I've never seen this, but apparently he's a military leader who has a tire upper body full of tattoos. Mm-hmm. So, Shark Summer, the tent. Wait, what the fuck is this? Isn't it just Jaws? <laughs> Hang on. Is that what it was called Shark- in Norway? Shark Summer? Oh. It can't be. Because this is. I can't tell if it's. I'm going to read this to you. Shark Summer. The tattoo of Quake, played by Robert Shaw, is only barely visible in the film. It shows the USS Annapolis, which he does have a USS Indianapolis tattoo in Jaws. But is this a tattoo of Quint from Jaws in a movie called Shark Summer? Or did this Norwegian, or did they release it as Shark Summer? It, nor, did they release Jaws as Shark Summer? Or did Google Translate make it Shark Summer when it translated it to English? <laughs> what the... Shark Summer Norwegian film. It is called Shark Summer in Norway. Wow. That was the actual title of Jaws. Holy shit. That's not a mistranslation. This word, this list is worth it now, simply based on this. <laughs> this is simply made up to, for me to find out that in the 1970s, the movie Jaws was released as Shark Summer in Norway. So, yes. Quinn's tattoo is a top 10 all-time film tattoo in Shark Summer. Oh, my. That sounds like the worst beach party film of all time, <laughs> where it's 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 Annette, it's Frank, and it's Quinn. <laughs> it's Shark Summer. Number eight is Memento, uh, Guy Pearson's tattoo. Mm-hmm. Number nine is Manhunter, but not the, it's not Red Dragon later right. on version from and finally number 10 is the knight of the hunter the evil harry powell played by robert mitchum has the words love and hate that dude uh right. the bottom joints of his fingers which is actually also referenced yeah. in the simpsons episode yep. cape fear was that movie always called the knight of the hunter is that a no no it's a different movie uh, yes it was right isn't no 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 right yes yeah. yes you're 100 right i'm not talking about cape fear i just was thinking was that also an american translation no, it is actually. Oh, yeah, no. I always knew Robert Mitchum in both, in both the original like, Cape Fear and Night of the yes, Hunter, but yes. had, the, that's, that's fantastic. had the hand tattoos yeah. in that one. That's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> I love Shark Summer. It's one of my top five movies of all time. <laughs> I have a reference. I have, so did you know that that movie was released as Jaws in America? And I have, niche reference, a Jaws poster up in my office. But I love the movie Shark Summer. I'll always love the movie Shark Summer. And I will only reference it as Shark mm. Summer forward. Ugh. I have a really, it cost me a lot of money to find this American print of where it's called Jaws. It's a great poster. Big fan. But you should, I kind of want to watch Shark Summer. Great movie. Spielberg uh, best. One of his, the, the fact that Shark Summer started what we know as Summer Blockbuster makes sense because he had a big Shark Summer. I'm so confused. I just, <laughs> Norwegians love this part. Are you, are you saying we've lost the narrative that we need to end the episode? <laughs> that I need that I'm prolonging you, things. Yeah, you, we're, we're, we're that's assuming that first. we had it for the last twenty minutes, but it's like, <laughs> I feel we did. Yeah. And you know, when we stop recording, you tell me if that's a good shot. <laughs> but I really want to leave in sharp oh, stuff. Very good. So that said, 
this has been a lot of fun. I feel like we went hard on our two topics and we knew we were going to go hard on our two topics, which is why we only did what we did. But I hope you all enjoyed this. Please leave us comments, leave us feedback. You can leave comments anywhere you listen to the podcast. You can email me at Mike Barcode. That's M-I-K-E-B-A-R-C-O-D-E at gmail.com. We love feedback. We love to know people are listening. I'm asking for feedback. Unless you already gave us feedback. Don't be thirsty. Don't be don't be <laughs> thirsty. Give it some time. Let other people chime in. Uh, I always make sure to end one of these by clearly ruining any good goodwill uh, that we have. But I, I love anyone who takes the time to listen. This has been so much fun being back at it. Randy, any final thoughts, my friend? No, I just I would echo that. So much fun to do it. And uh, uh, on the viewer feedback, if anybody has ideas, you got stuff you want to throw around uh, for us to mess with, please. We we, yeah. we we always kind of toss up stuff around as we're going back and forth. But we're we're definitely game for uh, for viewer requests as well. One hundred percent. This has been an absolute pleasure and. You know, I called you friend here, but I'd like to remember, based on the title of this, that's a platitude. I'm not 100% yet. <laughs> I'm also realizing I'm an idiot. This is not viewers. It would be listeners. So listener requests. We won't, we'll leave that in. Just show how much an I idiot said, I am. So. To be fair, I think I said viewers okay. as well. Um, <laughs> we're geniuses, and we're perfect, and we never have any flaws, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye, everybody.